Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Anyway, as the nice lady said, it is time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, on back to school day, uh, very appropriately. Uh, I need some guidance on my four-year-old and his self-harming behaviour. When he gets frustrated and angry, he starts to threaten to hurt himself. I'm going to bite myself, hit myself, break my arm, throw myself off the trampoline, crash myself, or typical responses. He used to bang his head on the ground from 19 months until he was two years when he was frustrated. He had speech delay and didn't speak until uh, around uh, the time uh, that the banging stopped. So we assumed it was to do with the frustration not being able to talk. But now we think it may be more. He also has some sensory needs. We try to acknowledge his frustration, but ignore the threat. Sometimes I say, I would feel sad if you did that. Oftentimes when I'm very frustrated with him, I, I, uh, with him, I threaten to tell the guards, which he then panics about. Sometimes I can even say, work away, I don't care. On the occasion when he does bite his arm, I intervene by stopping him, by either shouting, restraining him or sending him to another room under supervision. I know our responses aren't good enough, but we're at a loss as to how to manage this. We had him assessed for autism, had intervention from speech and language, occupational therapy, hypotherapy, cranial sacral therapy, all from the age of two to three and a half. He has done two years of preschool, was allocated an extra worker through AIM. No definite diagnosis, but I don't feel he fits into a category. We've tried to follow all the advice, but no one has provided us with consistent and persistent intervention. I just feel like my boy hasn't been understood by any professional yet. We have some mental illnesses in the family, so I want to address the difficulties now so he doesn't end up struggling in later life. God, there's a lot there. Oh, there's an awful lot there, isn't there? And I think, you know, some of the stuff that he's, when he's frustrated and angry, so we know the emotional, physical state that's underpinning his behaviour, or at least the threats of behaviour. He gets frustrated, he gets angry and then he says, I'm going to do the list of things he says mm. he's going to do, all of which are very proprioceptive, sensory seeking stimulation behaviours. I'm going to jump, I'm going to throw myself, I'm going to fall, I'm going to hit my head. They're all kind of deep pressure input okay. activities. So I again, while you were going, I, I, I actually was in my head going, oh, you should talk to an OT. But then you go down and you say, they have spoken <laughs> to an OT. Um, and it might be worth revisiting that if, I, not that I want to add to the list of appointments you've been to, but it might now be worth going back and saying, okay, I saw you when he was two, two and a half, three. He's now four, over four. And this is what we're seeing. We need additional help. I think it's worth revisiting some of that. And I also hear, you know, look, there is a lot going on. You're trying a lot of things. And equally, as he's getting frustrated, because we're all human, we all have a saturation point. Parents are getting frustrated as well. And then you're ending up doing and saying things that you're like, not ideal, not my best version of myself. What I would say, because I do really understand and empathise when that happens, is to anybody in parenting children, please don't use the guardie as a scare tactic. Don't say you're calling the guards because small children need to know that if they're lost or in trouble or in danger, the guardie are the safe people to go to, not to be afraid of. So, if you're going to stop doing one thing, stop doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I mean, I could say, oh, don't do this and this and this. You're human. You're going to do those other things. So if you shout, if you get frustrated and when you lose it yourself, make sure that you're going back and initiating repair with him and saying, you know, my feelings got really big and loud and I yelled at you and I got frustrated and I'm sorry Yeah. afterwards. So you can make up with that because when it comes to this type of behaviour in this age group, we're talking about consistency being the key 
both for him and for parents, to be honest. Busy, active kids need a lot of physically active, outdoor, rough and tumble, robust type of play. So you might be thinking he's getting a lot of it. I'm going to tell you to do even more of it. What you can, I mean, he clearly has a trampoline because he's threatening to throw himself off it. So, you know, make that as safe as possible that you can, even if that's sinking the trampoline into the ground or whatever's going to make it as safe as possible injury wise, because trampolining is actually a really good um, activity for kids who do proprioceptively sensory seek, you know, the jumping, the bouncing, yeah. all of that input into the body is actually really good. I'm also going to tell you to play tug of war with him. Sit down on the ground doing it so it just makes it a little bit safer. Put him seated in a way that his back is against the sofa or with cushions behind him. Get a scarf, a simple little scarf and just tug it over and back and when you pull him over into you, pull him into a tight, squeezy hug so you're getting a lot of that deep pressure input and you can make it more challenging by you know, do one handed tug of war, put one hand behind your back, ask him to do it by raising his thumb up because you're increasing the challenge, which will extend his capacity for prolonged engagement in the activity. Slippery slip is a good one. Make your hands really slippy with lotion. Again, keep him seated against the sofa with his back supported, sit in front of him, hold his hands and then dramatically slip away, slip back with the lotion on your hands and then he can pull you up. But you're getting a lot of that kind of pulling and pushing in to his shoulders and arms with those types of activities. Balloon body walk is a good one. Get a balloon and tell him no hands can touch it, but you're going to put it between your tummies and take it for a walk around the room. Because what that does is it gets him close to you, but with a body boundary, he's not too close, but not too far away. And in that way, he's moving with you, in sync with you, and it's very co-regulating. So just some play activities that can really address a lot of this, particularly in the aftermath when you are doing that repair. I would suggest as well you get a book. It's uh, Molly Potter. I've mentioned it here before because it's a really nice one for this age group. How are you feeling? And it has an index of feelings in the front. And so you find your feeling frustrated in this case or angry. Go to page 12 and there are six to eight things to do when you feel that way, none of which are the self-injurious behaviour he's doing at the moment. I would also just say get some supports for yourselves because if you invest in yourself and your own regulation, you know, rather than telling a child to calm down, which of course we all do, all of us, by the way, (laughs) the best way to get a child to calm down is that they calm through us. So we have to calm ourselves, ground ourselves, regulate ourselves. So I would revisit your professional team that list of people that you spoke to and say that, you know, we've been through this system. We didn't get an outcome, a diagnosis. But what we are seeing is a persistent pattern of behaviour that now that he's older, can we have it looked at again? Yeah, because it sounds like this parent is kind of convinced there's something wrong, but no one can can tell them what it is. No, no, it's not. And I think, you know, there are some couched in here as well. There is some safety concerns for this little guy that he's doing things that may not be safe for him. And that's really fear activating in all of us as parents. So, you know, when we're motivated and by fear and anxiety ourselves, we are definitely not the best version of our parents' selves because we end up acting out of that fear, which is exactly when we shout, we yell. It serves us well, by the way, if your child is about to run across the road and you get a fright and you roar at them and it stops. But if that's happening over and over and over at home, it it's it you know it stops being helpful. Yeah, uh, indeed. But 
it mightn't be a major issue. There might no, be a No, not at all. Not at all. Like he's still only four years old. He's very much a developing system. He's still very much co-regulating. He's not self-regulating. I think, you know, the list of activities I mentioned there, there's a lot you can do. And actually, if this parent is listening, I have a podcast episode on sensory stuff like this that we're talking about. I'm going to share it on my uh, Instagram later. Okay. I'll share a link to it um, just in case anyone's going, oh, I'd love a few more things like that because there are some really playful, creative ways you can do. It's not going to fix it is the only thing I'd say. What it is going to do is help you manage it at home. Yeah. OK, so it might be because, you know, all kids that age get frustrated. Of and, course, and, 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 and they don't have the emotional fluency to yeah, articulate uh, that. It's yeah. just, and, and sometimes can be a bit melodramatic, let's be honest about it. It can be, it can be uh, over the top, yeah. But, but just this little fella, the way he's expressing that is it's, it's quite violent and, and, and scary. And, Absolutely. And, now, he's also recognising that if he says this, it does motivate yes, um, yes. a response from everyone around him. So because in effect thinking is still in development, at this stage. So I wouldn't say, oh, look at he's just looking for your attention. Yeah, yeah. I don't I wouldn't go down that road at all because there are lots of ways kids can get our attention. This is a particular uh, list of behaviours he's engaged in. Yeah. My son is 18 months old and we're learning he has the arm of a baseball pitcher. <laughs> he throws everything, his beaker, his toy piano, his cards, etc. And always with full force. He's also started to aim, we think. So he's throwing them at his sister, the dog, granddad. It's never with malice, but it's like he enjoys the crack and the reaction. And it's how he's communicating or interacting. We've tried ignoring it. We've tried warning him with no, don't throw. And he raises his arm sometimes to stop him, but often not. We've tried saying, ah, ah, bold, ensuring him that his sister is upset if she gets a belt of something. Nothing seems to prevent it. I know it's probably normal. We are at the stage of avoiding bringing him into cafes or playdates with his sister because he's likely to hurt someone or break something. What can we do? I know. I mean, if if he was four and a half doing this, we wouldn't be laughing. But you know what it is? It's this little guy and everything you're doing is right. You know, you're saying, no, don't do this. But it's really important you tell him what to do instead because yeah. if you just say no small child don't touch that breakable item over there you make that thing very very appealing if you tell him what to do instead equally showing him his sister's upset he can see gosh poor her she's upset but he doesn't have cause and effect thinking yet so he's not going yeah. oh she's upset because I Me, hit her with that yeah. thing it caused her pain that's not there yet so you're going to it's not that you're doing the wrong thing it's just it's not going to land so just mm. manage your expectations about that I mean I'm going to unhelpfully say you know, it is a developmental milestone, this throwing yes. stuff. And I say that's unhelpful because if it was my house that was getting trashed or other people, you'd be like, well, I still need to do something and you do. But it is a developmental milestone insofar as little kids are very working out that hand-eye coordination. It sounds like he's pretty good, by the way, the aim that he can say it's you I'm hitting and get it there. Um, it's also helpful for motor skills. Um, it's it's one of the ways our little children explore their world, their environment, they're working out what's heavy, what's light, what flies faster than Mm. another thing, what bounces, what doesn't. All of that is really interesting for them. So he's having a marvellous time of discovery here. It's also a really effective way to emotionally express frustration, anger, like we just talked about, because he doesn't have any other way to do it. And it's a super way to get all eyes, all words, all attention and focus back onto him Um, because he is also releasing energy. Now, again, you've got a little guy who needs 
outdoor play no matter the season no matter the yeah. weather yeah. just make sure you've got a, a whole array of outdoor clothing that's suitable and get him outside climbing jumping splashing rolling tum- get all that rough and tumble energy and while you're out there play at throwing games in in a way that throwing is allowed I mean who amongst us hasn't sometimes felt like picking something up and throwing it mm. I mean all of us right yeah. Don't just, yeah. it's not just me okay yeah. it's all yeah. of us so you want to be able to do that with something that isn't going to cause any harm. So I've mentioned cotton ball snowball fight here before. So you could just Mm. give him a handful of cotton balls. Also his sister and everyone else and everyone on your queue gets to throw and throw and throw and then it's a stop. Okay. When you're outside, you can get a hoop. You could just Look, you could get a pot out of the press and it will do this just as well. But you know, sit it on the ground and see, can he throw a soft ball, like a, a little a spongy ball, a ping pong ball, different types of things. Can he get them into the pot, into the pot? Then when he's throwing, you can say, oh, we throw things in the garden. Oh, we throw things over here. We throw cotton balls or tell him what we do throw versus just what we don't. Now, as his language develops more, he's only 18 months old, this type of behaviour will certainly decrease. Yeah, and also, he'll get to an yeah. age where you can channel him into your local GAA club. They'll be yeah, delighted to have him. And give this delighted man a hurry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, just bear in mind that there isn't that cause effect thinking. So you want to say you're gentle yet firm. no. No throwing in the house, throw in the garden, bring him out to the garden, get him throwing there so that you're redirecting as quickly as you can. Yeah, uh, indeed. And obviously he has got reactions and probably every time a new person comes in. It's a very effective way to get a reaction. Absolutely. Uh, Our elderly uh, family friend died recently. I told my children, five and two and a half, that his body stopped working and he died. My five-year-old did ask why exactly his body stopped working. And I said, I didn't know. We're waiting on doctors to do tests. For many reasons, I didn't attend any part of the funeral, but I would love for us to visit the grave now along with my own grandparents' graves. I am never in a position to go without the kids were always together. I know questions and, and, and curiosity are inevitable and I need advice on how to carefully answer these without causing anxiety or confusion. We are Catholic but I've never mentioned heaven before. My five-year-old will start national school in September so will no doubt be learning lots in religion. I've always been frank about death by saying things look like this bug is dead. His body stopped working and so and moved on. However, I'll admit that even now I struggle with the concept of being put in the ground after death and I become overly emotional when I hear someone has died close or not. I was taken to countless funeral homes and burials as a child and I think it made me hypersensitive to the whole thing. I would cry myself to sleep as a child worrying about family members dying. I would love to approach this carefully and avoid as much anxiety for my kids as possible. Mm, is mm, this more about the parents it really? Is, and you know it, uh, no better way to discover our unresolved issues than yes. to have children. Yes. You know they're going to bring them up and just really do speak to that part of yourself and just reflect on you know how do you wish that had all been handled with you Mm. when you were a child and when you were their age and what difference might that have made because that's a good starting point. I always mention the book The Invisible String by Patricia Karst. It's a beautiful way to explain death and thereafter. Um, There's also a lovely one I got recently um, GeniusJuniors.ie you know that uh, website that do children's books but the money goes to the children's hospitals um, but they have a whole section on death and bereavement a whole collection of books but one I got there was by Britta Teckentrup um, The Memory Tree 
And it's a lovely way of handling the idea of life ending and everybody gathering to remember in a positive ha- you know, way mm, the person mm. who has passed. It's done with animals. They're two lovely books with this. And, you know, there really isn't a script for handling it. But I would say, particularly because of your own activation, maybe come up with a few key sentences for having this conversation ahead of time so that you are prepared. That said, be led by their questions. You've got a five-year-old who is going to ask you because they're curious. Yeah, sure. But the idea of the permanence of death and afterlife and things like that are foreign. I mean, if you have it within your own moral and and religious belief system, um, a heaven, then that is a very useful language yeah, actually, to Actually, that's actually what struck me because oftentimes we've got questions before from people yeah. who weren't religious and yes. it was trickier for, it's that straightforward a thing to explain. Absolutely. If, if, if you're not coming in uh, within, but you know, they're Catholics so there so is a story to tell them. The yeah. And you know, and I think you can separate out then that's where the person goes or their spirit, their mm. essence, again, whatever language you want to use and that their bodies and I think you've, you've done this really well. You know, you've talked about bodies stop working, life is over, you're doing the this bug has died, these flowers are dead, they go in the compost. Pointing things out like that are very helpful. You might try something like, you know, when we, and you've started it, so it's easy to revisit it. When we die, we don't need our bodies anymore. And sometimes a body goes into a special box with a lid and that's called a coffin. And there is a special place that those coffins go because there is a whole whatever you want to call it, a graveyard, a cemetery. Mm. And in there, you dig a very deep hole and the coffin goes in there. We put earth on top, grass can grow, flowers can grow. And we visit it because there's a stone that has the person's name on it. And you can explain it all in a way that children are like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. go as far as you are comfortable going <laughs> in the moment. So I shouldn't be laughing, but that's exactly what I can just imagine this person. Those words you said there would be so triggering for them. They I wouldn't know. be able to get them out. That's it exactly what them. you've got to yeah. practice it because yeah. if you're going to bring them to a cemetery or a graveyard then you have to go in knowing I'm going to get questions about what is this place what yeah. happens here why this why that and if we're not ready to answer those questions I would say you're not ready to go there with your children and mm. that's okay by the way it's okay that you're not ready to go there with them yet but have you know again I emphasize that's not a script what I said yeah. you know but something of that nature that is open honest You know, there's no ambiguous language. It's straightforward. It explains it. But you're going to need to have, don't let the first time you say those words be to your five-year-old. You know, make sure that you've said it out loud. If you've somebody else in your life, a co-parent or another friend or family member, you can have that conversation with or record it onto your phone and play it back to yourself so you get to hear your own words. You're going to do that a number of times before you bring them. And you're right, by the way, you know, it's no harm to get this, you know, organized in your own head and what your personal narrative will be around death and burial in your family, because it is coming home to you soon. You know, they're going to be learning things. I mean, a lot of, you know, early years, religious education is about kindness and sharing and inclusivity. And, you know, they're different themes. It's not straight into death and burial, but these things come up. And I think be prepared to get ahead of it, but be get comfortable with what is an uncomfortable conversation. So as comfortable as you can get with it. Mm, Given that it's as you said, probably maybe an unresolved trauma or something, because they did yeah. mention being, going to a lot of funerals when they were a child. Would some counselling help for them? It perhaps? can be really helpful, I think, particularly because, and again, it's amazing, you know, when words can paint a picture in your mind, but taken to funeral homes and burials and wakes, it's the idea of maybe having viewed 
some dead bodies without yes, anybody yeah. actually saying to this you as a child beforehand, preparing you for what you were about to see, preparing you afterwards to process and learn from that and integrate it, but just leaving you alone with what is actually a very overwhelming experience without mm. someone breaking that down and helping you understand it. So, yes, I think if it would help to talk it through, give that to yourself, because if yeah. you can give that to yourself, you're actually investing in how you'll approach this with your children. Yeah, it's it's a question for another day, perhaps. But that yeah. whole question about going to wakes and seeing a dead body and bringing a child into that, people will have different attitudes towards it. Absolutely. Uh, and again, it's not a be. right or wrong. It yeah. has to fit within your family. But there is a responsibility about making sure that your child is prepared before, during and afterwards. Yeah, because it's you don't forget it. No, no matter what absolutely age not. you are. Joanna, thanks a million Thank for coming you. in as ever. Joanna Fortune there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. Just how smart are plants? Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.